Welcome to Pretty Hard, a podcast by Fluff, a beauty brand that believes it's okay to feel more with makeup so long as you don't feel less without it. This is a series of honest conversations, thoughts and feelings with myself, Erica Gerrats and Ellen Jenkinson. So Pretty Hard is all about discussing what we feel when we think about our relationships to beauty, how they've changed over time, what we've been and are currently influenced by, what we're trying to change and of course how hard it is to run and consume a beauty brand in today's digital age. It's worth noting that our conversations go from super light to super deep. We discuss all things related to beauty and identity, including topics like ADHD, body dysmorphia, abuse, disordered eating, gender, sexuality and family of origin. We hope you enjoy these conversations. So... I'm not a big fan of typical introductions, but I'm always just like, Erin, <laughs> hi, welcome. <laughs> just in the middle. Welcome to Fluff's podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. Of course. So it's called Pretty Hard because we like to have pretty hard convos, <laughs> mostly about our differing relationships to beauty mm-hmm. and how mm. or what we understand about our relationship to beauty and how it's changed over time. So you and I have known each other Maybe, like, maybe 10 years? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. It would have been early on in both of the launches of our businesses. Yeah, it is, like, yeah. 2013. Yeah. Frank Body Triangle Days. What a lifetime ago. <laughs> and now we're here and yeah. we've connected again and are chatting about where we're at. Yep. But in terms of this podcast, what we like to do is just straight up say, what do you think about when you think about your relationship to beauty? <laughs> I think about everything. It's it's the most evolving. It's constantly evolving, especially in the last few years. And I think it's coincided with my own self-development sort of journey. That's when it really shifted everything. Mm. So I think a million thoughts pop into my head when I think of our relationship with beauty. Yeah, because it, it, it's, I think until you maybe do that personal work, mm. that, the journey work, understanding yourself, it's just not something you think about. You just feel like you are the way you are or you look the way you look and yeah. you don't break it down to be like, why? What has come into play or what might have influenced me? Yeah, like for me, it was always wanting to look like something else. Mm. And I've, I've realized that it was me not wanting to or not feeling comfortable with myself. So I was chasing another ideal of beauty or another ideal of me rather than being okay with who I was. And a lot of that was through beauty because that was an easy sort of way to do it. And a lot of my beauty journey where I really saw it kind of, I guess, go to another level was through more of of altering my face Mm. through that relationship. That's when it kind of got to a point where I I had to go, wow, this is – I look – pretty different and I remember people saying you look like a different person and at the time I was like yes that's that's I was happy whereas now quite a few years later I don't want to look like anyone else because no one else looks like me so why would I why am I trying to look different but it was that detachment from myself through beauty that I was trying to achieve Mm. I was trying to look different I was trying to be different did you want to feel different too? Like when you said people said you mm. look like a different person, were you kind of like, yes, because maybe you didn't want to feel like yeah. the person you were or what, what you were experiencing 100%. at that time? It was just a total, you know, at the, the I spent, it was 2019 and that was when I got so much stuff put into my face. I mean, I was seeing my doctor once a month and filler, 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 filler everywhere and everything and, you know, just exploring all different avenues of looking different because I just wanted to feel different and I didn't know 
how to that felt like a longer process whereas looking different felt quite quick so Mm. that was sort of an easier one to kind of go tick but just not really understanding how much that's you know you're abandoning yourself it was just this it's like the opposite of self-love it's it's total just avoidance of yourself through beauty and that was kind of for me that's why when I, I was like, oh, God, I'm so excited to talk about this. <laughs> it's, just, it's so, it's, you know, makeup and, and skincare has always been, you know, challenges for me through different reasons or, you know, joyful moments or hard moments. But that side of altering my face really was to do with the sadness and the identity crisis I was having. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have so many questions. I'm like, where do I hang? <laughs> like, can we have two hours? Yeah. I mean, well, I, I was, where do you want to start? Because that's a thing. Yeah. It's like you could be yeah. like, I want to start with yesterday or you could be like, yeah. sometimes people are like, this is the earliest memory I have around beauty. Mm-hmm. Or It's like, mm-hmm. what do you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, beauty has always, you know, my mum definitely, like my earliest memory of beauty is Avon and mm. going through my mum's tiny mini lipsticks. And watching my mum really care for herself through, um, you know, she was an Avon lady for a while there um, and and sort of watching that process, watching her, you know, do her own nails and care about herself. So that side of beauty I love because that care for yourself has, I've maintained that and I, I, I look a way I look now to feel good and then along the way it completely shifted mm. and took another form of not feeling good and doing yeah. it as an as, as as to escape or to yeah really as an escape mm. you know do you can you pinpoint maybe some of those like first instances where it started moving away from being yeah it's sort of like I feel like there's a rite of passage when you're young and you watch your mum or yeah. your caregiver sort of play yeah. around with expression and it, it is it's just this actually nice thing you can bond over yeah um but then yeah there are points that I can think about too where I'm like oh this is where it started getting a little bit unhealthy mm, yeah it was definitely I, I I've always you know I've, I've in terms of skincare and makeup I've had you know trickier skin through my whole life which was always a point of I uh, I guess unhappiness or frustration or a bit of you know just like going through that you know always had everything would make me break out and acne and rosacea and dermatitis and I don't feel like that was anything too that was kind of just a process I was on I never was big on makeup never big on beauty in that sense of it having being a big defining part of who I was it wasn't until I moved back to Australia after leaving my business leaving living overseas coming back home when everything really became an obsession I think an obsession to 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 feel different and mm. and grabbing onto that version of beauty through injectables yeah. for me was when it when it really took and then everything else became around that I mean the makeup I was wearing was a lot more and I had false eyelashes mm. and I got you know eyelash extensions and brows tattooed and every single beauty thing you could do I was doing when I moved back home and I was never you know my ultimate goal and, and is that again now is not really having to ever wear makeup and mm. and or if I want to wear makeup just wanting to because I want to feel nice not to cover anything or to because I you know I've always believed that you shouldn't you know you shouldn't do things to f- when you're feeling bad you shouldn't use them as like a band-aid so yeah. if I'm having a, a shit day where I don't feel good I'm not going to put makeup on to cover to kind of cover that in fact they're the days when you probably need to try and bear all I put makeup on and I enjoy beauty to lift me up when I'm in a good place already. And that's my relationship with it now. But definitely back then it was a lot more toxic, mm. I guess. 
Do you think, because I wonder if we share this sort of similar experience where when I chose to leave Frank Body, that business and brand was so much a part of my identity mm-hmm. that when I left it, I was left with this question of, well, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. similar thing, I was just like just exploring different ways of trying to figure out who I was. And the mm. most immediate, obvious, easy things to explore that with is whether it's fashion, whether it's your hair, whether it's makeup just being – or experiences, just like straight up stuff because it felt easier for me than to just sort of basically go to therapy and confront what was sort of in front of me or this question of who am I. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely that. That was – it was easier to go down – uh, this distract myself in a mm. way because I didn't have an identity or a, a, anymore in my head. It was sort of just this. I was attached to the identity of having a business and attached to the identity of being someone who lived overseas and and came back. You know, came back home with all that success and total lack of identity. So beauty just became a very natural thing for me to use to look different and and try to feel different but obviously it wasn't Mm. and especially because of maybe the industries that we were in that are so forward facing around ideals around beauty or Mm -hmm. around fashion and so exposed on social media it's hard when you're in that world every single day Mm. when your brand lives on these platforms how can you not be affected by it or how can you not assume some of that messaging yeah absolutely and for me my you know beauty in terms of of how I looked in terms of weight and size that was always an issue that that was an issue pre you know, triangle and and through triangle and post triangle, but definitely the beauty in terms of my face took a real sort of it was it was the forefront of that. Mm. It was it was really one of the big catalysts of of having to get a lot of like self not work on my face, but a lot of like the work like mm. going into because it was just you could see the way it was going with me, and it was like, well, where does that end? You know, and yeah. and having to undo it all, and that took a really long time. It sort of, you know, I still do. I'm not. I still do injectables, but now it's to look like the nicest, freshest version of me, mm-hmm. and I don't obsess over it. I think that's the difference with me is that, you know, and probably with a lot of people is when you stop attaching any real importance on it in terms of who you are, then you kind of can do it without yes, care. Yes, it feels more you know? free. Yeah, like I have appointments coming up and it's like, oh, you know, I don't really know when or care or whatever. But then having said that, I did – I was still doing pretty extreme treatments at the start of this year. And I think, again, a lot of that is, you know, I just had my fourth baby a few months before, probably a bit of identity crisis in that. So I started to do things that were feeling a bit more – intense to kind of figure out who I was again Mm. and I'm always someone that pushes the envelope I've always gone 100 miles an hour at things that I'm interested in so there's that side of it too but knowing that that part was a bit obsessive um, and then now it's kind of reached a point where I probably just don't even have that much time to think about it because there's other things that would I would rather spend my time I guess obsessing over yeah when you're at the sort of peak of it um, when you said it was a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. I'm like trying to – I'm just sitting here trying to kind of think how that would have felt. And yeah. the only thing I can compare it to is say, for example, I've gone to get my hair done and it's more than I wanted or like there's one time where they cut it way too short and it was yeah. way too blonde. And I was looking in the mirror and I just was like, holy fuck. Like, yeah. <laughs> Did you have moments where you looked in the mirror and were like, oh, shit? Or were you always looking in the mirror being like, this is good, like I'm happy with what I've done here? No, I, th- I look in the mirror and sometimes feel a bit like oh god there's a lot there but was able to 
probably block that out, but it was always in photos because I would be like, mm. I don't recognize that girl. I don't know her at all. And it was, you know, just a totally different face. And that was a real jolt because it was sort of the realization of, okay, no, that's, I don't feel like me. I now don't look like me. This is scary. And now things need to shift or keep shifting. I was doing a lot of work on myself then, but I was still in the in the in the thick of it. And I think that's the thing about going on these, you know, journeys of personal development is they're not a linear line of growth from day one. It can take a really long time and a lot of sort of a you know up and down and a backward steps and you know one step forward and five steps backwards. So I was really in that 2019, which was the year after I moved back, was definitely a more backward steps than forward. But I was trying to move forward during that year as well but it was definitely photos when I look when I look at them and I mean if I look now it's like wow that's like crazy a lot just a lot and really really obsessive mentality is what I attach that to and trying to feel something Mm. and just you know and so how do you respond and also I'm really I'm so grateful that you came on to have these conversations because I think that um, a lot of people could feel like maybe we were on two sides of the camp. Is that right? That's yeah. the right words to use. I always <laughs> mix up metaphors and terms. <laughs> so do I. Um, I feel like that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I knew and was like, I really feel like you will respect my opinion and I will respect yours. And it's just so nice to be able to have a conversation mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. to come to it and sort of just appreciate the nuances or the feelings that people have and what drives them and then just have a discussion about it. Yeah. And because so often, particularly in the beauty industry, it's like you're one one way or the other. Yeah. And it's like you're at war with each other. Yes. You know, there's like natural and then there's all the yeah. actors and then there's like wearing heaps of makeup and then there's not wearing any at all and then there's the injectables and then there's the not injectables. Yes. And it's like, yeah. Fuck, we're all in this together just yeah. trying to make sense of mm, ourselves. Exactly. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So I'm curious with what you've sort of been through and now that you're building your new brand and your business and your following is growing and you have a very engaged community that mm-hmm. are asking you questions, mm-hmm. what sort of level of responsibility do you feel or what conversation do you want to have about things like injectables or mm. about people who are asking about their experience or thinking about it? Yeah, look, I, I'm i probably in the middle of, I guess, breaking that attachment to it. I'm not against ageing. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not attached to injectables. I'm also still doing them as kind of a habitual routine of a bit of it's the fear of, well, what if I stop getting them and maybe I will just start looking really ugly. <laughs> so there is that level of vanity there. I like having a bit of vanity. I think it drives me forward in, in looking and feeling good. But I think to other people it would be, you know, if you are going to start doing any, any anything in beauty, whether it's, it's, it's if, you, if you are in a bit of chaos inside yourself, you know, try and address that at the same time. Mm. because you know injectables are there's a, I mean there's a whole other thing there you know there's, there's there's a lot of the it's toxic and it's in your body and it's this and it's that and then there's the side where for me it's it's I'm so much more invested in working on my relationship with myself as the as the absolute forefront of what I'm doing so then these other things start to and I see them they're starting to even themselves out by product by product of the work that I'm doing on myself within so part of me is now starting to go well I'm kind of curious to see what I'm going to look like if I age naturally Mm. which is a thought that me two years ago would never 
ever have entertained. Yeah. And that's interesting. And so I don't ignore that. I don't push that down. I'm just letting that evolve as it is evolving. And I'm becoming more aware of, you know, different treatments that you can do. And I don't really use actives at all. I, I'm, I'm more on natural skincare for sure at the moment because I just ruined my barrier <laughs> over 10 years of actives and yeah, and wow. and not not taking care of that of that, you know, in your twenties, you're just putting glycolic and retinol and you know, I was overseas never seeing the same facialist or the same, you know, person that looks after your skin, dermatologist, clinician, dermatologist, anyone. And so I was just going to different people in different and just doing all different things. All the things. And because their industry the basically things. tells you to do all the things. All the things. Yeah. And so I mean I'm in I'm in the middle of a process of stripping back. Mm. Definitely. What You're is, stripping yeah, yeah. What has that looked like for you or as you said, like I know this is me coming from a pure place of yeah. naivety, like going from having injectables to then deciding maybe to not do it as much or to try to change or you said to like how what can you reverse what can't you or what has that process yeah been like look that's you? been I have I've had a lot of the filler dissolved um in my cheeks especially a lot of it's still in there and when I see myself in video I still see it in my cheeks mm. um but I'm also not in tr- I'm, I'm not I don't want to obsess over that so I'm like I don't want to worry about getting that dissolved that will happen in time filler stays in for different different amounts of time depending on the different filler you put in and and it could be two years, five years, ten years. So I'm sort of letting that all work itself out. Um, And I think for me, you know, I focus more on like in the last few months as well, I when I look in the mirror and I look at myself or I see a photo, my first thought is I look so happy. Mm. That's truly my first thought. And I think I look beautiful because I think like I feel happy. And so I'm part of me is like, well, but is that because you've had Botox as well or the makeup or the mm. hair or the outfit? And then part of me is thinking, well, it's it's also probably how I'm feeling inside. So I'm in yeah. that discovery process of, you know, fashion for me is another relationship that I'm so attached to and also have to be mindful to not be obsessive about. I have a very obsessive personality <laughs> in case you can't tell. Um, and beauty's the same. So I'm in that discovery phase of, you know, I want to I want to age gracefully. And can I age gracefully while still sometimes having some injectables? Maybe. I'm not sure. Everyone, I'm still I guess, that has out. a different level yeah. or like yeah. how much they interact yes. with it. And I think what we're trying to always get at is how fun it is to play and to explore. But mm. this idea of if you stripped it all away, if we took away all your mm-hmm. clothes, if we said no more <laughs> makeup or oh injectables, God. would you be yeah. like this sucks, but like, I'm still happy. Like, you know, you've got your family, you've got your friends, you've, you've yeah. done the work on yourself that you're just like, that stuff was a bonus. It was extra. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel more comfortable in my skin than I ever have. And I know that that's a direct result of the work that I've put into myself over the last few years, but it's still a work in progress. Of and course. I still, you know, it's not linear. Like something might happen where, you know, I'm fortunate genetically in terms of I'm tall, I'm lean, so I already tick a few boxes of I've got natural long hair that, you know, I went through, I had extensions during that whole <laughs> era that totally screwed my hair and I've, you know, worked that in again and I've fixed that and I've sorted that. But, you know, there's attachments that we have to things and, and you have to sort of assess for yourself, is that healthy? Is yeah. that not? And that's different for everyone. You know, for me, it's kind of like, I guess, I was obsessed with injectables and I was addicted to them. 
So it's kind of, I guess, you know, any addiction, do you abstain completely? Can you have a relationship with it that's not obsessive? They're things that I'm still working through and processing. You know, I have a, to be honest, I have another thread lift booked in in January, which I keep booking in and then cancelling and moving and booking them back in. And I know I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, but part of me is like, but it might look better. But it might look better if I do it. And I know I don't want to. It doesn't it doesn't fill me up the way that it used to. But there is still that curiosity of of I guess and that vanity that's still there yeah. going, hmm. Yeah. Should I? I mean, I don't worry, I'm not. It's, <laughs> it's such a, it's such an intense procedure. I had no idea when I went in for it. Can you it's, explain it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's there's two different types of threads that, and I'm going to get this wrong, but there's the one where it's just a bunch of needles in your face, and and I've had that collagen produce, and I've had that before, and that was nothing. But these are anchored, barbed threads that get put in, basically like a mini facelift in the side behind my ear, and they go in blind, and then they pull them up. Wow. And so it lasts for six months. It was – they call it a lunchtime procedure, but I couldn't even open my mouth for four days. I was in agony, so swollen, mm. really intense. And then you kind of, you know, it's like, oh, you go through it. And, you, and when I look back, like, that was horrific. Like, why would I want to go through that again? But then you kind of think, you know, that process of, oh, I did look pretty nice for a few months there. And I look back at photos even now or a few months ago and I was like, I can't really see any difference. Yeah. Because for me, I when I look at photos of myself, I'm actually looking not at my face or my appearance. I'm actually looking within because I can yeah. feel my photos, status. Yeah, photos you know represent I mean? like memories and feelings yeah. for me, like where I was, who I was with, like what I felt at that mm. time as mm. opposed to I can definitely look and be like, oh, I liked my outfit there. But mm. Yes. Mostly it's just like where was I at yeah. in my life? What memory was that capturing? Yeah, yeah, 100%, which is why when I look back I can't see the, the difference, mm. you know, in it. So, but, but yeah, still still working it all out. Do you, Is it just a conversation with yourself or do you have these conversations with your partner, with friends of this sort of like what do you think, how, like what is influencing your current thinking around? Definitely with myself. Yeah. Um, I like to self-reference as much as possible because I'm also very, very good at convincing people of my view, <laughs> being the right view. I think I can convince most people to be on my side with things. So I would probably have gone into that sort of discussion with anyone in that way. Um, my partner's very supportive of whatever I do. So he just, as long as I'm not, although he did say the other day, he remembered my drama with my hair extensions. And he's like, thank God that era is over. Because <laughs> it was such a nightmare. They yeah. kept falling out and I was just hideous time yeah it's Um, hard because you want your partner to be supportive (laughs) of you but then I kind of look back and I'd be like why didn't you tell me to stop you can see the back of my head exactly (laughs) but even with my face he he looks at photos and he's like wow he's like at the time I didn't think you looked much different because he's seeing me yes Mm. do you know what I mean like he was seeing me not my face so you know that's Mm. a beautiful love story in itself there but you know it was it's um yeah it's 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 yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing journey. Yeah. And how has really? having kids or and a daughter has that influenced or changed your view of how you see yourself or how you would want to talk to her, say about beauty? Yes, yeah. I think with my, I have one little girl, I have three boys and one girl, and with Beatrice, um, little beetle, I am definitely what I'm most mindful of in the moment or at the moment is when I'm getting ready is to be calm and and sort of you know I used to I used to, there's a lot of anxiety around getting dressed or getting ready for mm. me in the morning so it was a lot of 
you know, time, like just stress for me because it was like I need to look good, I need to feel blah, 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 whatever. And now I'm very mindful of that process so that I'm enjoying it. So all she ever sees is mummy getting ready and, and enjoying it. And if she's in there, it's, you know, she comes in and she'll stand on a little thing and brush her teeth and do her brows. and <laughs> But I don't spend very long getting ready anymore. And a lot of that is a very mindful, conscious decision to not be in there getting ready all the time and I am mindful of that with her and you know as she gets older and starts asking questions I'll always be honest with her and so that's my biggest driver for being honest with myself because I know then that if I'm honest with her and share that I did these things and you know I felt this and there was that then she'll have those tools or that understanding because she might still go she has my personality type she'll be curious and she'll want to test different beauty things but if she can always come to me knowing that I'll be honest about what I want to tell her then that's the best that I can do you know because that's the reality is that she might grow up and and whatever is around when she's a bit older might be interested and might go on this journey of wanting to look different to feel different but if she knows that her mum also went down that path and has told her about that she'll be more likely to share that with me and then we can work through it together that's my biggest driver yeah which is amazing Mm. I think that's not we were sort of discussing earlier not a conversation I ever had with my mum wish that I could have and if I ever have a daughter or a child that's a conversation I would want to have yeah just that like empathy to be like I was once your age I experienced that we've all been through it together like we don't have all the answers but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly it's it's just being being honest and encouraging them to ask questions because they're curious so not dismissing when they ask. Mm. You know, my son came in and and he's my eldest, he's seven, and he said, Mummy, he said, you're always in here trying things on and then you never wear them. <laughs> and I said, I do wear them, you just don't see it. And he's like, why do you have so many things? And it was, you have to be honest. And I had to say, well, you know, I... Such a pure question. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, and I said, uh, the honest truth, I said, I, I know, I do have a lot <laughs> and it is kind of silly and, you know, I love fashion, I love getting dressed and I really enjoy it. But, you know, it is it is a bit silly to have all these things, isn't it? And then he's like, yeah, it's silly. And then he just walks out. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, for him, he doesn't need to hear, you know, he's seven, he doesn't need to hear the the real. But I know he'll reflect on that later and, and remember it was a joyful discussion. Yeah. That I wasn't, mm-hmm. there was no trigger by me or any defence. It was me going, it is silly. Yeah. So Lady Woody said, remember, you know, he'll, I always want that to be an open door policy in my house where they will always have questions answered honestly and with the energy applied to it that I applied in my own thoughts where I, there's no shame behind the things that I'm working towards or working on and that, so I sort of pass that on to them. Mm. And was that your experience with your own family growing up? Like was your mum calm getting ready or anything sort of that you're modelling now? Or? Not really. I think, <laughs> she put, I think she put a lot of importance and, and maybe stress – on it a bit and I probably felt that and took that on um she always wanted to have her time to get ready and and look good and that's you know that was fine and she always did but it was very much you know she had to follow that routine and that schedule and that structure so you know that was the best that she could do from her and it wasn't anything traumatic or 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 challenging it was just one of those things that didn't happen Mm -hmm. and I love those things to be honest because that's how I have learned to be different because mm. I wish I did have that and I know that it's something that my mum never learned. So I want to take that on and not not a mistake, but I don't want to – I want to make sure that my daughter and my little boys get that sort of level of honesty and that level of – you want to ask me a question? I've got five minutes to get ready. 
don't ask me a question. Mm-hmm. Everything else can wait. They come first, and that's that's the real that's the truth of it. That's why I'm bloody late to everything. <laughs> 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 it really is. Like, mm, come in and sit yeah. with me. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as to because you were. I guess relatively quite a like private founder in Triangle Days, right? Yeah. It was not sort of um, you weren't yet promoting yourself no. on social. And Mm-mm. now you're sort of building this new profile. And mm-hmm. how has putting yourself out there um, and opening your life essentially mm. to the internet, how is that coming up for you and changing your ideas of yourself or how you see yourself versus how you feel like you're being perceived and would be being perceived Mm -hmm. and I imagine all the comments and the DMs Mm -hmm. that you would be getting how are you approaching that um for me it's it's actually been really nice I mean it's taken up more time it's probably probably been the only challenging thing is it takes a bit of time to and it's time invested in me which feels a bit icky but at the same time I really do love sharing myself in an honest way where I do want everyone to know how good I feel so like even when we take a photo you know we took some photos that's why I'm really dressed up today because we took some photos this morning that we'll post later and I I want to do ones where I'm looking happy and not what I want to do but like I want to post the ones where I actually am looking how I feel Mm. and I really I'm really enjoying that process of sharing that because when I look at it I'm so proud because I'm like god I look happy and I've worked so hard on that and so I'm really enjoying that I'm actually yeah, you really want to share that and celebrate yeah, that yeah, yeah yeah of course you know it's a fine line with me with 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 beauty in terms of getting ready in the morning or, or spending that time on it to look good for these things but at the same time I'm in a good place at the moment of making sure it's not too much and I know when I go too much I can feel that moment when I'm getting ready in the morning when I've spent too long Mm. I can feel it which is a nice awareness to have because (laughs) maybe previously you couldn't catch yourself yeah Yeah. I can feel I start to spiral a little bit I feel a little bit anxious and I just am like all right pick that thing that I'm gonna wear or put on that quick makeup that's gonna make me feel good so I can get out the door Mm. because this is becoming a bit obsessive and it's not serving me yeah so I can really you know I can quickly sort of pull myself into line but in terms of sharing myself it's been really it's been more it's been really enjoyable because I do feel so good so I'm happy to put that out there Mm -hmm. and I don't even really you know when I get little like negative comments I don't mind because often they're kind of coming from a place of truth anyway a little bit if they're saying something I'm like yeah yes, yeah true like I am yeah. dressed up for a Monday like yeah. I know you know I that like, kind of I thing, like your you dialogue know? you're having with people where I also <laughs> think you're happy to be um challenged or questioned and you address it and then I feel like when you're done addressing it you're like cool I'm out like yeah it's sort of nice because <laughs> well I, I'm curious as to obviously the offering that you're putting out there now or with mm-hmm. your workshops or what are you how you find are you finding it interesting that there's this sort of like general place that a lot of people are in and whether your main audience is women or not or in the sort of like mum category, like are you drawing any sort of conclusions right now about like, wow, there's lots of people that are feeling this way or struggling with this or needing this and that's what you want to offer them or what you want to help with? Yeah, I think there's a lot of – what I'm noticing, there's a lot of women who are really over being judged for their journeys you know, when I put up anything about if I share, because I do love putting up when I get a negative comment, I block their details out, but I'll share it and I'll share my response. That's when I get the most response. And they're from women saying, I'm so angry for you that you got that comment. Mm. And I'm going, well, I'm not angry because it's an opportunity for me to show how 
I guess, much work I've done that those things don't, that doesn't upset me. It doesn't anger me. I, you know, when, when a, a woman says, you know, like you don't care about anyone other than your kids and you're selfish and I'm like, well, part of me is selfish. I, I do put myself first. So, you know, at times. But I, I, I feel women are really tired or, or over or frustrated at feeling the lack of support that we have for each other. Mm. And a lot of that, I think, or I feel stems from from women not feeling supported themselves and therefore they don't feel that they can support others. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of frustration out there. Yeah, well, it's a, I guess when we're not feeling yeah, secure in, or supported in ourselves, we take it out on what's around us, whether that's mm. another person, whether that's in, you know, obsessing over things yeah. or other people. It's just a way f- to distract ourselves from being like, why does this make me feel uncomfortable? Mm. Yeah. Why does this make me feel sad? Why does this make me feel angry? And instead of just dealing with it on our own, we we put that onto other people or other yeah. things. Yeah. And it's very, it's, you know what, it's, it's so conditioned in us to do so. Mm. And it has been for a, a long time now. And that's sad, but it's also able to be changed. You know, nothing is, is rigid and set in stone and that's where I want to come in and help. I just want to help, you know, people feel better about where they are in that in that moment as well because I think when you're going on that journey as well of that self-development and that self-discovery, it feels really, you know, it's if, if I tell everyone it's going to take you four years to feel good. <laughs> that's like, the same with me mm. when I talk about therapy and people yeah. like, you just – so interesting and I'm like I'm like I think I'm four or five years into <laughs> it's a journey yeah but there are it's it's worth it firstly and there are things that you can do to feel good in the moment and and it's it's being constantly inspired or having aspirations and feeling hope you know it's like hope first because you know hope has a bit of fear in it because it's like oh I hope I hope that'll. I hope I'll feel happier. I hope I'll feel better. I hope that will shift. And then after doing all the work for a long time, you have faith in that you mm. are that now that you have shifted that. And then you have you know, for me, I have such a strong faith in who I am. I know nothing. I mean, there'll be times where I'll be challenged in different ways, and but there's nothing will break the faith I have in myself because mm, you've applied all. yourself. Yeah, and done the work. It's not yeah. just hope. Yeah. Yeah, mm. at all. But, you know, that takes a really long time and I want to help people or support people feel better about starting the journey because mm. it does feel too much, you know, and I understand why then it's easy just to put a negative comment on someone's thing and just, you know, get that icky feeling out of you and put it onto someone else. Like I get that but that's not sustainable and you're not going to feel better. You don't even feel better momentarily. Mm. You feel a little bit – a little bit shifts so something shifts so you feel a tiny moment of like because you kind of like oh she's gross or whatever it is but like it's nothing that stays with you and instantly it feels terrible because it doesn't feel good to I mean I still do it I still judge people or still feel negatively about people it's a human condition but I I'll, I'll check myself straight away and be like oh all right what what do I like about her that's triggering me or what do I want that I don't have that I see in her yes. that's triggering me that's all it is you know and it's like it's takes a while about to get them to it's about yeah, you. yeah yeah it's sure. so simple yet so hard <laughs> <laughs> every time we see a therapist we're like oh yes it, it's me <laughs> <laughs> it's me I'm, or my mum <laughs> i'm the problem ah got it yep yeah it's that accountability it's yeah. so so much freedom and accountability though yeah. honestly like i yeah. love it it's like it gets me it's it's how you can 
show up for each day. Totally. To be like, I'm the problem. <laughs> it's, I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, when you were speaking about hope, do you feel like there has been a time that you didn't have hope? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not, nothing too dramatic, but definitely times of, of I guess, more numbness. Mm-hmm. So nothing. No hope. Just, just kind of waiting for nothing I don't know it was it was a weird time it was it was really when I'm when I'm thinking about that time it was definitely just after I moved back here and it did feel because I was kind of like all right well do I stay in Melbourne do I move back overseas do I retire like it was just and there didn't feel like hope because I didn't have any attachment to myself at that point I, I distanced myself from the business and then the business was me, so I distanced myself from myself. So it was this kind of just weird feeling of of total emptiness for a while there. And it was I was still functioning fine, and you know, still doing things. And you know, I had two children at the time, and was still sort of, you know, probably terribly trying to raise them, but sort of there for them. But it was definitely a time of of no of no hope. It was just a time of existing. I think is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it shifted. And it shifted, it shifted. I met my now partner and he helped a lot in that feeling of hope. But I was also mindful of that, not creating a codependent relationship. Mm. I actually had this discussion this morning with one of, one of the girls that works with me. And she said, if someone asked you if you needed a, like a partner to go on this journey, would you say that you did? And I had to think about it because he did come along at a time and gave me hope. But I feel if it wasn't him, I would have, I would have maybe not at that point, but I would have found it in someone else. Yeah, a therapist maybe, or you know, I was seeing a few practitioners around there more around then more in the alternative therapy sort of land. But I would have had more of a confidant at some point. Yeah. So I do feel that the journey is no one should go on on alone. Yeah, and whether it's a family member or a friend or a colleague. There's always something, you know, there's always, I feel like there's always someone in your life where you're like, oh, they listen to me. And it could be, it doesn't even have to be someone that you're, you know, sharing your whole life with and they're supporting you in that way, but they might just be supporting you in a way that you need for now being like a coworker that's just there and having coffee or whatever, um, whatever that is, you know, in the day. It doesn't have to be a partner, but it's a, it's a funny one because he did give me hope, but it was more that, I wasn't alone that gave me hope and that I I felt like I was sort of being seen or heard. I think that was that was what it was at the time that gave me hope. Do you describe that time like I don't know your journey, obviously your personal journey. Do you describe that time as depression as well? Like is that how you would look at that or I don't know. I don't I don't feel I remember having a lot of physical anxiety around that time. Um, I tend to attach depression what I – and I feel like it's so different for everyone, mm, totally. how it shows up. I always attach de- depression to not functioning, so not wanting to get out of bed or not getting out of bed or not wanting to see people or do things. And I never had that because I've always been a bit of a doer and a bit of a get up and go and just like work it out later. But I had a lot of anxiety around that time, physical anxiety of feeling the heart palpitations. And it's actually a bit of a warning now for me. If I ever am feeling overwhelmed, I'll get a little heart palpitation. It's like a little reminder, like, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> like, chill. You're going too far that way. Um, 
if on, on reflection, it would have been something like that. Mm. But because I knew where it came from and that I'd caused that feeling due to my own neglect of self, I never felt like it was depression. Because I, you know, and I listen, I've, I've watched the Jonah Hill mm. documentary and his version of depression sounds so not, it sounds foreign to me of that not being able to get out of bed. So for me, I, I attach depression as that. Mm. But then maybe it was, you know, but I, because I knew where it came from and because I felt, I didn't feel like I could control it at that time, but I felt like I knew I'd done it to myself. Yeah, I had a what situation. Yeah, yeah. I had a level of of accountability, I guess, over mm. it that didn't feel like depression yeah. because I felt like depression something that is out of your control, and I felt like I'd control the situation to get into it in a way. Yeah. So that yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Never really thought about it like that. <laughs> I mean, what, what did, did it bring up something for you, Eleanor, or like were yeah, you acting on your own? When you experience said, or? You, yeah, when you said I felt like I was waiting for nothing, yeah, that just like, oh, because really? yeah, I had yeah. like a, a small period and I've never been able to articulate it, yeah, and it was the feeling of waiting for nothing, yeah. which I guess is hopelessness, yeah, which upon reflection, when I look back. Um, now having done a lot of work, yeah, I was like that for me was definitely a bit of depression at that yeah. time. Yeah, it is. A, it's a, such a it can be such a loaded word, and totally. there are varying yes. levels of it. And I think that's something I sometimes struggle with. And then there's a lot of stigma around it as well, which can be difficult because you're like, do I label that? Am I mm. uncomfortable with that? Do I yeah. take away from someone else's experience? Well, this is yeah. I think that's my biggest concern is I don't want because I, I talk about things in a in such a I guess a light-hearted way it's just my disposition so I don't want to be like oh, I had depression and then yeah. someone's there going you asshole mm. like that's you know I don't because I you know I just so it's I'm nervous it's like especially around having children and postnatal depression and you know a few people have have heard experiences that I've spoken about before and asked if it was that and I again I'm I've never made that attachment to it because I've heard stories of women that struggled so much after having children and I never had that much of a struggle that I don't want to, you know, put their story down through yeah. my more lighthearted oh, Yeah, but your, your positive experience shouldn't be taken away no, from either. exactly. That's what's hard. Exactly. It's what this podcast exists yeah. to have share everyone's differing experiences and journeys and just try and be like it's all – it's all here. Yeah. We, we can <laughs> chat about this together. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like well, now where you're at and when you're sort of, yeah, I guess at the start of your new business journey and yep. then you're back in Melbourne and sort of with your family, are you does this feel like uh, – I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I'm like <laughs> – I guess we ask at the end of the podcast mm-hmm. is how would you summarise your relationship to beauty at present? And yep. when I say beauty, it really is like identity and yes. feeling of self-worth or sense of self. Yeah, it feels it – feels unbreakable at at the moment I feel so whilst I'm still going on that journey of discovery with it all it my foundations are so strong so I feel very much without going too woo-woo I feel very much on path so everything that's presenting itself along that way feels very much as it's supposed to and I feel very prepared for all of that 
and I'm continuing doing all the work that I need to be doing and I know it won't be smooth sailing forever but everything feels really grounded and mindful and 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 really strong so I feel pretty grateful to be where I am at the moment awesome Hey, thank you so much. I'm actually just like, that was such an honest and like, <laughs> it's just really refreshing. Not that the other ones haven't been, but it's just, it's really nice to chat to oh, someone like you. that. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a, all late, all cards yeah. on the table. Yeah, yeah. Play. I yeah. think it's, it really speaks to the work that you've done, that you're able to reflect on it and without any sense of judgment, I mm. think. And for all of us to be here too, to be like, these are things we've done. No one's perfect at any point in our life. No. And, neither have we reached this end goal like it's constantly Mm -hmm. evolving and so to be able to share that and feel yeah confident in your story is so nice thanks guys no worries thank you thanks done Done.